Hey, hey. How's it going? Welcome to Burnt Offerings. Uh, that's Steve. I'm Jared. I'm Steve. And uh, that's Jared. Uh, this is episode 41, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, a lot in store for you this time around. I'm uh, fucking excited. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> what a fucking great movie we're going to be talking about on this episode. Honestly, I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, when you mentioned it to me the other day, I thought about it and I was like, "Holy fuck, we haven't talked about that yet." So, I almost mentioned graduation day, and I was like, "I thought we did that," and that was like one of our first episodes. Yeah, yeah, we did. Pop quiz: What was the first movie we talked about? Uh, I can I can picture it. I can't think of the name. I believe I could be wrong. It was Shockwaves. No. We've never talked about Shockwaves. Never? Never. Oh, wait. No. It was not Shockwaves. I'm confusing that with... (sighs) You're killing me. (laughs) I'm killing myself. Um, Did you get it yet? Oh, I I, I can picture the scenes from it. I just can't think of the name of the movie. Yeah, dead and buried. Dead dead and buried. Dead and buried. Yep, that was the first one we did. Uh, That was a long time ago. Mm. Um, But yeah, here we are, and uh, I can't believe we haven't talked about this movie yet. I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, There is nothing about this movie I do not like. I just want to put that out there early in this episode and say that when I first started collecting VHS, this was one of the most coveted tapes for me. I, I wanted to own this tape. I wanted to own this movie. And the first time I seen it, it just blew me away. And uh, I watch it every so often. I've seen it so many fucking times, but... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I've seen it, like, hundreds of times. I found this tape at Horror Home. I remember. I let that thing sit there all weekend. Mm-hmm. Before I bought it because horror hound nobody gives two shits about VHS. No, nope. I was there. You scored this and the Prowler Big Box. Yep, and Frankenstein. The Frankenstein blow mold head upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, is that his name? Mm-hmm. You guys named him Frank. Yeah, his name's Frank. Yep. Uh, I had to ride. Uh, <coughs> Frank went skiing that day. Uh. In between me and somebody else uh, on the way home. Was it Jimmy? Nope. It was an ex-girlfriend of mine. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Forgot about that. Yep. (laughs) Frank rode in the middle because we were like, where the fuck are we going to put Frank? And, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, I have been just extremely stoked that I am a free man and that this year has been fucking rad for music. Mm-hmm. I'll get into that later. What have you been up to, man? Um, honestly, nothing other than playing that show. I wanted to get into that. Let's just dive right in. How was the forward show? Amazing. I'm really upset that, shit, that I missed it. Yeah, that shit was fucking great. Yeah, you opened up for Forward, and for people that don't know, who are they and where are they from and what do they sound like? Uh, Forward is a uh, Japanese hardcore punk band. Um, 
been around a long ass fucking time. They basically were uh, spurred off from um, this band called Death Side. Okay. When they broke up, they spurred into three bands: Bastard, Paintbox, and Forward. Just forward, basically uh, known as one of like the Burning Spirit hardcore bands from Japan, and uh, they are just fucking amazing. That was one of those bands I didn't think I'd ever see. Like I know the last time they came, I think they played in uh, was it Chaos and Teho, which I don't even think goes on anymore. I think that was the last time they came through and played, unless they went West Coast. But yeah, fucking awesome, awesome band. Uh, just like Japanese hardcore, basically textbook. Um, super like posy lyrics too. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's a change. That's cool. Um, yeah, that was a stacked bill too. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, um, Jared opened up for Forward in a band called Fulan Devi. Yep. And then uh, it was it was us. It was. Um, this band called City Pleasure, just Tuesday and Charlie's band. Okay. And then um, Shikuzu, uh, this band from Toledo called Bone Folder. How were they? Uh, they're kind of all right. They're they're kind of almost like a rock and roll crust band. Okay. First time I've ever actually seen them. Jared uh, from Shikuzu, just real quick, he posted a video of them yeah. playing. So I was, um, I, you know, I was like, they they must be pretty pretty fucking rad dude you know yeah they're not bad really cool people cool <laughs> actually the guitar player after our set came up to me and he's like good set man we played with you guys like a year ago and i'm like oh i wasn't in the band yet and it got really awkward he's like oh oh well either way man yeah good set <laughs> <laughs> cool but there was a lot of vendors there too um yeah they did a um swap meet and then they had a pop-up food stand yeah which man that's that's the way you want to do it mm-hmm. I think Detroit really does it well in the DIY scene uh, we're pretty lucky I'm not a, par- a part of it as much as you or some other people that I know but I enjoy it I think it's fucking awesome and uh, I-, I really wish I could have caught that show I had to do uh thanksgiving stuff with the family but yeah i'm really stoked that you got to open for those guys and gals yeah that were at the show um besides the forward show have you been doing anything out of the ordinary or is it just we're working pretty much fucking running the mill shit yeah yeah same here uh i i don't know just been fighting the cold in Michigan here. Yeah. You know, it's been fucking... It's been fucking bouncing all over the place. Kind of, yeah. It was like 26 the other day. Now we're at 41. Yeah. <laughs> With rain. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, thankfully it's rain because if it was snow, we'd have like four or five inches of fucking snow. Yeah, I know. And my car's not... My car's a death trap in snow right now. I just realized <laughs> that my tires are bald as shit. Like the one day, like rained or snowed and then it froze over the overnight Mm. my car did not handle very well so i'm gonna have to address that (laughs) but um you uh let's let's get into what you've been watching dude honestly i haven't watched shit no that's a that's a real quick once over of i haven't been watching shit okay i've been watching china illinois does that count that show i from what i remember was pretty cool i dig it 
Yeah. It just it has such ridiculous parts. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in the in the last dying moments of me having cable, I checked it out once or twice and I dug it. It was cool. But um pretty much watching that. Yeah, that's it. Catching up on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um well, the other day I watched uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Um and there were some extras on the DVD which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um I threw an eyeball the other day. No, oh, yeah. yesterday. Yesterday I threw an eyeball and I fucking that movie's great, man. Um it's an Italian giallo film. Mm-hmm. And uh Who directed that one? That I don't know. <coughs> uh Lindsay? Was it? I think so. I don't quote me on that, people. Yeah, I never remember actually who did that movie. I'm yeah, gonna, we, I'm just gonna look that fucker up. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, I'm, I want to say it might have been Umberto Lenzi, but I could be wrong. Um, it's kind of a who's done it, who done it, like um, mystery, you know, kind of a thing. At the end, you find out who the killer is, and but there's some. Yeah, it was Lenzi. Yeah, there's some really good gore in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I. I just dig the whole fucking the first thing that the killer goes for is the eyeball. It's fucking killer, dude. And um some really hot chicks in that movie too. Uh I threw in a racer head the other day. Man, that is one I've not watched. I have not watched that since me and you have been friends. That's fucking crazy, man. I never owned it until I went to cinema. Yeah. And bought it. And I got a bootleg copy of it. And I'm kicking myself because when I went to Tapeworms, you had a booth set up there. And I remember Tony Salamone was there and he had the fucking RCA uh, slipcase of Eraserhead. And I ended up buying a fucking stupid movie called The <laughs> Campus Corpse that looked promising. And I spent 10 bucks on it and I'll never watch it again. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. <clears throat> I was more excited. I think I was jaded because I bought the Faces of Death clamshell, mm. and I was just like yearning over that. Like, yes, I finally have the original Faces of Death, even though it's a boot. Oh, it's, it looks cool. It looks pretty legit. You know, the spine looks really good for display and shit, whatever. But I, I fucking totally missed out on Eraserhead, and it, I had it in my hands. It was on the floor. I was more intrigued by what was on the table. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just one of those weird things when you go to a tape swap where you're like, oh, what's on the table? Yeah. But, yeah, I watched that. Um, and about three times this week, I watched The Dorm That Dripped Blood. That's a good one. It is a good It's a good slasher. Um, I watched that one, and I wanted to get into Bay of Blood. Yeah, also, I saw you posted about that. Yeah, <laughs> also known as Twitch of the Death Nerve. I, I can't stress enough how important this movie was to slashers and horror and Italian film. Mario Bava, genius. Um, The movie was shot so perfectly, and the kills were so good for 1971. Yeah. It's so fucking way ahead of its time. It's been ripped off numerous times. Uh, Dude, I, the one blatant ripoff, what was that? Uh, it's Friday 2-2? Two, two? Mm-hmm. 
can remember if it was two or three. It did. There's no fucking way. Like he says, he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even see the movie. I didn't even know that movie existed when I made Friday Part Two. Mm. That scene is like a shot for shot. It is. It like, really it's is identical. Yeah, it, shot for shot. You're right. There's no way Cunningham did not. Yeah. Well, know about it. There's no fucking way. He he underplays the whole twitch of the death nerve thing, even in uh, Crystal Lake Memories, and uh, he underplays it. And I think it's because of the success of Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, well, we did, we did better, like at the box office, you know, like yeah, that came first, but we perfected it, or however he wants to look at it, but. Yeah, the, just the fact that he, from what I saw with him in interviews, he tries to totally play dumb. That's what I mean. He underplays it so much. He's like, oh, I've, I've never even seen that movie, so I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know that existed. No fucking no, way, man. It's fucking identical. So, somebody, if, if you didn't see it, somebody put it in your ear. Yeah. Something. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the special effects for 1971 were great. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing is it's in color. <laughs> Um and uh, hatchet to the face or curved machete to the face is so fucking yeah. just it's up there for me. Uh, I watched that and then I threw in Halloween two. It was just kind of sitting there. Oh, and then I did watch the Twilight Zone. Uh, the movie. Yeah. Um, the iconic fucking intro with Dan Aykroyd. Love it. And uh, there was another movie that I did not write down that I did watch. And I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, I watched it twice this week. I know I watched Suspiria. I don't know if I touched on that last time. Yes, I did. Uh, I also watched... I can't think right now, but... Yeah, that's basically all I've been watching. Um, as far as like VHS and DVDs and stuff like that um, but uh, yeah we're going to be touching on a really uh, iconic fucking movie on this episode and uh, before we do that though I just wanted to kind of throw out some of my favorite albums of 2018 for sure um, I'm going to go with a top five just five albums that crafted this whole fucking year for me, man. Before I do that, though, a couple honorable mentions that did not make the top five. Belzebong, Light the Dankness, is a fucking phenomenal record. Um, it didn't make top five only because it came out on Halloween Day. So I've only gotten to listen to it maybe two times through, and it hasn't grown on me like some of the other albums that came out earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Really great album. Nothing too uh, crazy or anything. You know, it sounds like Bells of Bong. It's the same fucking format. It's the same thing. Uh, but it's really, really fucking good. It's really amazing. I've yet to check it out. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Jimmy loves it. Um, Bob's over the whole Stoner Doom thing. He's more into like the Funeral Doom and the the heavier stuff but Belzebong brings it to the table again and it's really good and then um, the other honorable mention would be uh, Sleep the Sciences this album say what you want about Sleep like them or hate them 
this is a great album and uh the the coolest thing about it is they re-recorded a song that was the b-side to dope smoker called sonic titan and the original track sonic titan was recorded live and i don't think matt pike hit the fucking distortion pedal the entire song it's like a fucking 10 15 minute song and it's like a clean guitar throughout the whole thing so it gives it this weird bluesy kind of fucking feel to it but in on this album they re-recorded it and it sounds a lot better and it's fucking really heavy and it's really good and i i just i there's a soft spot in my heart for sleep um we got to see him this year Mm -hmm. and that was great but uh those are the two honorable mentions you know whatever tied for six top five number five faux hammer and let me let me tell you why their their EP that came out back in 2015, I want to say, something like that, was about the heaviest thing I had ever heard up until that point. I mean, if you're just looking for sheer fucking hammer hitting stone riffs, that's that's what you want. You want faux hammer. It was only three songs. It was about 40 minutes long, and it changed my life a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> And uh, everyone that I've showed that EP to have taken a liking to it. And that's really cool that, you know, my friends and acquaintances really dig that band. But this year they came out with a full length and it's more polished and it's more uh, professional as far as the approach, song structure. And it kind of has a continuous theme throughout the whole thing. And uh, it was a double LP and with an etched D side, which is pretty cool for collectors. Uh, the Faux Hammer album is called Second Sight. I really recommend it for anyone that's into like Conan or I don't know, Bong Ripper maybe. I don't know, they're kind of just sledgehammer to the head heavy, you know what I mean? Uh, number four is coming from Canada, Dope Throne. Fucking yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Trans Canadian anger is what the album's called, and uh, they just really fucking rip assholes open with this fucking album, dude. They don't really give a fuck. They want people to steal their music. They don't. They're not on Spotify. They have this like total DIY attitude about what they do, even with their merch, even with their touring. It's all within the band. It's all what they do and what they want. And I love it. And it portrays in their music. They do what they want. They write what they want. My only um, complaint about this album was that there was a fucking ZZ Top cover on it. <laughs> I think you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Tush. Yeah. But instead of... Kush. They changed it to Kush. Uh, <laughs> at first glance, I'm like, oh, God. And then it kind of grows on you, but... Uh, this album is really good. It sounds pretty much like everything they've done, except some of it's a little heavier, and I think they down-tuned a little bit on this album. Because it's really fucking crud. It's heavy. Uh, some some songs. <laughs> Dope Throne, number four. Number three, Conan. Holy fuck, man. Conan Existential Void Guardian is the name of the album. New drummer, New recording, new album. What what else can be said about Conan except for they're Conan and they're really heavy. 
So I would I would highly recommend picking up a physical copy just to get the full fucking effect of this of this record because I don't think that an MP3 or an internet recording of this album is going to do it justice as would with you know like a vinyl or a CD or a cassette tape or something would really fucking fill it out. Uh, it's a fucking phenomenal record. It's everything you would expect from these guys, and uh, definitely check out the new Conan record. Top two, number two, it's fucking bong ripper, man. <laughs> if I told you how many times I listened to the new bong ripper record this uh, this year, you'd fucking lose your mind. I've oh, spent, I've, I've, I've heard. I've spent numerous hours and hours and hours listening to this fucking album. It's not their best work. I will say that. But this year, it's number two. It's a very mature album. And I'm hearing little tingents of like their earlier material on this album. Yeah. Like a little hate Ashbury kind of a thing going on. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's like a little bit of slower, like a little, you know, dronier. Well, I told you what, before it got released, I, I told you my, my theory and what they were going to do. Yes. And they didn't do it. Nope. And I'm kind of surprised, but I felt I feel like they didn't because there's almost it's almost like you can't. No, no. I mean, considering that this year was their first album in four years, I think they were like pressed to make a full length. Mama, I thought they were going to try to like top Fister, top uh, Primitive Man, which oh. is being super crushing noise doom. Yeah, and this is not. They it. didn't. No, this is more groove oriented. I think that's kind of. I think they didn't because they, f- I, they couldn't do it. There's no fucking way. No, I don't see. I don't think Bong Ripper at this time any anymore. Like four years ago, I probably would have argued differently. I don't think Bong Ripper can hit the levels of Primitive Man and Fister when it comes to just like harsh grind. Yeah, or harsh harsh doom. doom. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this album's more groove-oriented. It's got, like, a flow to it that's a little different. It's still heavy. It's still Bong Ripper. It's just done in a different way. And uh, it's a nice follow-up to Miserable, which Miserable, not too many people I know really cared for that record too much. It wasn't their favorite. This one, uh, better recording and just, I don't know, a little bit different. And it's new, so... Instead of getting burned out on Satan worshiping Doom, I can throw in Terminal, <laughs> and uh, I've been listening to it nonstop. So number two, Bong Ripper. Number one, everyone fucking knows. <laughs> There's no way you haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> fucking the Almighty Fister. The album is called No Spirit Within. Folks, this CD has not left my CD player in fucking months. I bought a physical copy of it at a record store. I've listened to it nonstop. We featured a, st- a song at the end of one of our podcasts when the album first was kind of new uh, called Star Swallower, which they have a video for. Definitely check that out. They recently released a video for the song I Am Kuru. That's really disturbing and really fucked it's up. It's a fan-made video, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Or someone that Kenny knew, I believe. You know, Don't quote me on that either. But this album is really fucking... It's, the, you know, it's like a one-word review for this one, and that's magic. I will be listening to this album eight years from now, and it will sound just as fresh and just as fucking punishing as it as it has all year. These guys just know how to make good music. The, 
they're not they don't have the fastest drummer they don't have the fucking fastest guitar player but for slow music for what they do i think that no one can do it better than fister i think the pedals that they use the effects that they use and the way they structure their songs is fucking bar none dude they are at the top of the game when it comes to you know and other bands should follow suit now last year was primitive man for me i think was my favorite record this is a this is a nice fucking like you know bounce back this year as far as noisy doom really crushing heavy stuff um and primitive man's another band that uses a lot of effects and a lot of pedals like as far as to complement their sound or whatever but fister man they just in the in the most beautiful thing about this band is they're just as good live as they are on recording oh absolutely yeah and and sometimes sometimes even better live than they are on their recording they slow things down a little bit more they speed things up a little bit more and you get something different than you do just the the recording yeah, you so. get the laser in the eye get like a whole new experience yeah laser in the eye <laughs> yeah they have like an awesome laser show and a fucking fog machine and they, it's fucking the aesthetic is great live so and they're really rad guys they're really fucking cool and um there's my top fucking albums of 2018 man yeah i always said with uh when it comes to doom for me i like it harsh i like it noisy um especially when you're talking newer stuff and pretty much fisters my bar that i compare all other bands to when it comes to that genre and that style yeah and the other bands usually either nail it with the music and lose it with the vocals mm-hmm. or kind of like vice versa a little bit mm-hmm. but fisters the one where it's like they put it together right yeah and they just say it in it I, I honestly i feel like they just kind of did what they wanted to fucking do and just ran with it and basically they did it long enough to where I'll, that's just it yeah the they've been around for a while mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't realize that bronze sonic came out in like i want to say 2007 yeah they've been around for about 10 years and uh, i think in the beginning of their career they kind of wore their uh, influences on their sleeve a little bit but now they've come into their own yeah and it started with gemini you know that album probably might go down as one of my favorite albums ever made it's this one is i don't know i don't know uh how to fucking compare those two records but this new record was really thought out well and it was just really good man and they could ride this album out for a couple years if they really wanted to maybe do a split or an ep or something just to kind of fill the space but this is a fucking iconic record dude they gotta fucking uh do that split with failed that was supposed to come out yeah that would be fucking that would be really awesome i remember Um, drunkenly hanging out over here with mike and i told him like i'd throw money on that I throw money to release that split. Oh, for sure. Fister and <laughs> Failed. Oh, shit. Failed is one of the Detroit bands that I miss a lot. Mm-hmm. They were uh, one of a kind. You know, they were noisy and they were harsh and fucking... Really, they just were really good at their craft, you know? Like misanthropic fucking like sludgy noise. Yeah. Basically. It, yeah. And the first time I seen them was like, I, I was Virgin Ears. I seen them live. And that was when... Is that Jared, the Precinct show? No, that was... Uh, uh, let me see. Corktown. 
Okay, I don't think I was there for that. Acid Witch and Fister. No, wasn't there for that one. Yeah. Jared was in Hetera at the time. They opened and then failed played. And I was like, whoa, these guys are fucking... This is different. You know, it was like a weird... I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't pinpoint it, but I, just, I liked it. I was like, dude, these guys are doing something that, like, no one's really doing right now. And then I seen them at the precinct, and they were so much... They were even better. Like, they, they were even more of that. So, yeah. That'd be sick, though. Fister and Failed Split would be pretty cool. And speaking of splits, what the fuck? How can, how can I not find the Beast in the Field fucking split that came out this year? It was at the, I just had a record swap, and it was there. Son of a bitch, why didn't you get it? I would have threw you money for it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, I someone didn't. Someone I follow on Instagram, uh, Fear of a Baked Planet, mm-hmm. he picked it up. And uh, he said that the uh, B-side is sick. So I'm not really into Hellmouth. Yeah, really. they're not really my, my cup of tea. I don't know if that's going to cause some strain in public with some people or or anything. I don't know. They just don't do it for me. No, that's not, 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 they were never my thing. That, was, that, that style of like... It's like hardcore, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. Hardcore, like punk and a little bit of whatever. It's never been my thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple bands from Detroit that just don't do it for me. Uh, Against the Grain was another one that doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind them, but, I mean, good for them for kind of putting in the work ethic to become as big as they've become, but yeah, yeah it's not really my thing either. It's Yeah, it just doesn't really tickle my fancy. And I've seen them a hundred times. <laughs> They've always played with Beast in the Field. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, the dudes from Heavy and Beyond. Like their their band always used to play with Beast too. I've seen them. Uh, oh, the one dude from Heavy and Beyond. Oh, the one dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were they? Uh, not uh, fuck. I wild Stallions or some shit. Wild Savages. Not wild, wild Savages. Not Wild. He wasn't in Wild Savages, was he? I know. Th- Correct. Or is it Blue Snaggletooth that I'm thinking of? I don't think he was in... What, fuck, I can't remember what goddamn band he was in. I'm pretty sure it was Wild Savages, dude. It, well, it, it also sucks I'm blanking on the dude's name. That's pissing me off a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, but they... Uh, I've seen them a hundred times, too. Either way, Al or who... Anybody's listening. <laughs> what the fuck band did he play in? Yeah. Let us know. Just don't email us. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> just found out that if you go to the contact page on our website and try to send us an email through that form, it doesn't get sent to us. So I'm trying, I'll, i got to dig into that to figure out what the fuck's going on. So if anybody wants to actually email us, don't do it through our website. Just do it through our actual email address. Or just drop us a line on Instagram or yeah, Facebook. Or just Instagram. We're most active on Instagram. Because yes. I just found that out talking to somebody, and they're like, yeah, I sent you an email, and I didn't get shit. So I tested it out. Tried to go in Hardy Bo- the Hardly Boys on it. And, uh, yeah, it's broke. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no bueno on the emails. No, no, no. But, um... Pretty sure that dude was in Wild Savages. Um, I'm, it's pissing me off that I can't even think of the other guy's name because I know Al, but I can't think of the other guy's name. I can picture him. Yeah, I'm not too sure, but uh, Heavy and Beyond Rules. 
Absolutely. Yeah, those dudes spin some quality tunes, man. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that that's me wrapping up music for uh, 2018. Hopefully, you know, maybe one or two people might actually check one of these bands out <laughs> if they haven't already. I mean, I've talked about these bands numerous times. Anthony. Okay. Doesn't help me with what band he used to be in, but his name's Anthony. Okay. Anthony Francina. That helps. It does help. He's blanking <laughs> on his name. I don't know his band, but I don't want to forget his name, so at least we got one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this episode... Oh, I didn't even get into what I was listening to. Oh, what are you jamming? What are you jamming? Wish you would have told me you were going to do like a top five of the year. I would have put that together. Oh, well, the band that you just showed me. That's, yeah, I've been listening to those, so that's on this list. Oh, you might as well just start with that one. Let's do it. So, uh, at the show, um, Alejandra was like, hey, this band Indian Nightmare, you need this record. You would like this record. And I'm like, okay, I trust her opinion because I like buying from her distro because she she's one of the few that always has like pretty solid releases. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to trust you. Yeah, Indie Nightmare is fucking amazing. Yeah, they're fucking top shelf. Uh, the album is Take Back the Land. They're basically like a uh, metal punk, street metal sound. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if you heard it. I'd heard it in a, at least a few songs, kind of like Sukuzu. A little bit. A little bit of Sukuzu in there. Um, yes. Some fucking Maiden yep. riffs in one of those songs, at least. Leads. Yeah. It just has, like, that screeching fucking vocals. Unrelenting riffs. Oh, yeah, dude. Riffs for days. Unrelenting riffs, and the drums are fucking pretty solid, too. Uh, this album, it really did blow me away. Yes. It's that good. As soon as I fucking dropped the needle on there and started hearing, I'm like, Steve's going to like this. Yeah, this it's great. This album is fucking really good, man, front to back. There wasn't a dull moment. Mm-mm. So, Alejandro, if you're somehow listening to this, thank you for that recommendation because that fucking album rips. Um, then, you know, being in the whole Japanese spirit of things, not that I don't always listen to Japanese bands anyway. Right. But uh, listen to the band uh, Mobs, old 80s Japanese hardcore band. Kind of more like uh, a lot of riffs, kind of metallic. They're kind of uh, similar to what was going on in the U.K. around that same time. Um, listen to their EP uh, projections of Astral Body and then their LP uh, Resurrection. Just okay. fucking killer shit. Uh, I think they're kind of... Uh, Unless you're really into Japanese hardcore, you probably haven't heard of these guys. But they're fucking great. If you don't know them, check them out. Just called Mobs. Um, and then Bastard, which was one of the bands that split off from Death Side. Well, oh. Death Side split into Bastard, Paintbox, Forward. Gotcha. Uh, so I was listening to Bastard. Listen to the uh, album uh, No Hope in Here, which is basically just a collection of all their releases, which is uh, Wind of Pain. Um, controlled in the frame and I think there's an unreleased and then something else um, I don't think I showed these guys to you 
I think you would really dig these guys. Yeah? Yeah. Just It's basically just straightforward, hardcore, just pissed off. They're great. Okay. Yeah, well, fucking A. Um, a newer one, uh, band, another hardcore band from Japan called Acute. Couldn't tell you the name of the EP. It's all written in Japanese. Oh. I can't read Japanese. Um, and then um, this band Laughing Nose. Kind of like a 80s hardcore punk slash noise punk band. Kind of like a, some parts are just like really noisy and like kind of like gritty sounding. Other parts are more like clean, but it just has that like really snotty punk sound to it. Cool. To a degree. Uh, basically, uh, the EP, Get the Glory, and then I think it was their first album, which the name always kills me, man. First album's called Pussy for Sale. <laughs> a righteous. But these guys are fucking great. But you, you listen to some sounds and some songs, and they're fucking like, the vocals are like more cleaner and just like normal punk vocals, and you listen to another song of theirs and it's like a a grittier vocal grittier sound right but all in all they would fucking not to be missed if you don't know those guys fucking check them out definitely um basically I mean yeah for the most part that's all I've been listening to there's my five right on yeah that Indian Nightmare is wow I want to say that's the only thing they have released so far. Okay. And they need to release something else. Yes. Highly recommend that from the two of us. Highly recommend that to anyone who's never heard them. And they're from Germany. Yep, from uh, Berlin. Yep. So, definitely check them out. Um, I don't know. Anything else? You want to get into it? Yeah, I got nothing else. All right. We're going to be talking about the iconic 1980 movie, Maniac. Yes. And this movie stars Joe Spinell. Written by him, too. Co-writer. Co-written. Co-written. Who was also in... He was in Rocky. He was in Taxi Driver. He was in Godfather. Yes. So, prior to Maniac, he had some pretty important roles. He was always like bit characters in these movies. He was, but they're huge movies. Yeah. Huge fucking movies. And before we get into it, I I thought I remember hearing a story that Joe Spinell actually comforted Steven Spielberg at one point when he didn't win Best Picture for Jaws. Really? They were drinking. They were at the awards. And I can't remember what movie beat out Jaws, but Steven Spielberg basically threw everything he had into that movie to make the best horror movie he possibly could. And he was like second. He was like runner up. And Joe Spinell was like, it's okay, man. You'll get him next time. And then a slew of fucking steven spielberg movies have come out after that that were iconic like huge you know monumental movies mm-hmm. 
Whether that's true or not, I don't know. You, you can look it up, but I, I thought I heard like rumbles of that happening in the mid seventies. And mm-hmm. it it might have been it might have even been the Godfather or something that might have. I don't know. I don't even know what year that came out. Yeah, I was gonna say what year did Jaws come out? Seventy five. Seventy five. Somewhere around that time, right? I believe so. Yeah, The Godfather. And then Rocky came out in 77? Yeah. Or 78? I want to say when... uh, 76. Before Rocky came out, fucking Stallone was like sleeping on Spinell's couch and shit. Yeah? Yeah, they were they were friends. And uh, at least at some point, like, Stallone was like sleeping on his couch. Hmm. Now he's basically homeless. Yeah. Doing porn. Yeah. I remember reading about that. The Italian Stallion, man. Yeah, the Italian Stallion. <laughs> but uh, this this movie, uh, man, it came under a lot of fucking fire. Yeah, yeah, it 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 did. A lot of that um, shit. When Siskel went to go see it, which I like watching all the old Siskel and Ebert shit on the horror movies just to kind of hear how full of themselves they are and how they'll just ignore certain aspects to, like, have a point which they do all the fucking time or did all the time but Siskel went to the theaters to see it got to the shotgun scene left and and said later on in his show that there was no way this movie was going to redeem itself after all the violence up to that point <laughs> really yeah, he said he was disgusted by it I bet it's uh they do not hold back on the sleaze or the mm-hmm. violence or the gore in this movie. Shit, one of the early campaigns for this, which uh, was in New York, production company was going to set up kiosks outside of theaters that were just had like a what was it five to eight minute loop of footage of uncut footage from the movie showing outside of a theater like on little monitors. And... Basically, because of all the backlash from Siskel and all this fucking negative press and then all this other negative press, they only did it there for a short bit and before they removed it, and they never took it to like other major markets like Chicago or Los Angeles. Because at the time, movies traveled. They didn't all get released at once. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought that was a fucking sweet idea. Go to a theater, and there's just like a mini monitor sitting out there just showing an uncut eight-minute reel of Maniac. That'd be sweet. Too had people fucking started crying about it. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Shit, there was a there was a when they placed banners. I think this one was in L.A. They placed banners for uh, the movie, like it had the, the the iconic poster. This shop who the ad was connected to their building didn't like it, so they got up there with like a a paint roller and some paint and just painted over it. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it came under a lot of scrutiny, man, when it came out. Mm-hmm. A lot. And it was the first... I'd have to say the first that really came under fire that bad besides The Exorcist. That was uh, that was the first of the no-no movies where people were like, this is fucking... This is terrible. People should not be watching this. And then Maniac comes out. What year did uh, Silent Night Daily Night come out? 84. Shit, four years later, that one actually got pulled from theaters. <laughs> it did. That that it did. But that was because of the commercials. People hadn't seen the movie. 
Yeah. It was just the ads had a Santa Claus wielding an axe, and kids were like scared of Santa Claus. So, you know, what the hell was the, uh, that group? Uh, yeah. Mothers Against Something or na- National some I don't fucking remember. I know. I know what you're talking. They what picketed saying. it. and Yeah, yeah. What's next, Killer Easter Bunny? Give me yeah. a fucking break. But, yeah. Um, I Yeah, as far as, like, movies that made an impact negatively, <laughs> Maniac was one of them. Maniac was, oh, yeah. like, was up there, you know? Yeah. Um, the L.A. Times, I think, refused to run any of the ads. Yeah, they said the movie had no redeeming quality. Yeah, <laughs> that was so no redeeming quality. Yeah, so they weren't going to show any of the ads. But what's cool though, I mean, obviously, fuck them for doing that, and it sucks that they did that. And um, Will Lustig, the director, yes, got all up in arms about it, obviously. But other filmmakers in the industry who weren't doing horror, they were like bigger names who were doing other things, came to his defense and like basically were like, "Dude, fuck you guys!" Like. You don't just do that. That's straight censorship. Yeah. I mean, so it's good on them for having the back of another filmmaker, even though it's obviously movies that they probably didn't care about. Right. And speaking of Mr. Lustig, a lot of people may not know he also did Maniac Cop. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he do Flashdance? No. Who did? No idea. But it was not him. Okay, this is what I'm thinking of. Flashdance, the song, mm-hmm. was inspired by the movie Maniac. Yeah, you know some of the original lyrics? No. Because they, he what he did was he wrote the song because of Maniac. And depending on what you read, it's either he, he wrote it, wasn't inspired by it. He was inspired by Maniac when he wrote the song. Right. Or he wrote the song to be on the original soundtrack and it just didn't make it. Depending on what you read, it's depending on what story. But some of the original lyrics is maniac, maniac. <laughs> He'll kill your cat and nail it to the door. <laughs> Holy fuck! No shit. That was like part of the original lyrics. I tried. I tried finding like all the original lyrics. I couldn't fucking find them. Really? Yeah. But basically, he, uh, people who were doing flash dance came across it and hit the dude up who was. Um, was it Michael Sambello? Okay. Hit him up and said, hey, we kind of want to use this, but can you rewrite it? And basically rewrote it to be about fucking some chick dancing, dancing. whatever. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, William Lustig also did a Maniac Cop. He did, uh, yeah, he did all three Maniac Cops. Yep. He did um, Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam, the one that came out in like the 90s or the 2000s? Yeah. Well, okay. Um, and then he actually founded uh, the uh, the label Blue Underground. No shit. Yeah, that's him. That's his company. That's fucking rad, dude. Okay, well, the more you know. Which, oddly enough, um, next week is releasing uh, another. It's a Blu-ray of Maniac. It's cool. coming out next week. No shit. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, a little off subject, little three second bit here. I've been seeing the uh, "Happy Birthday to Me" floating around the Blu-ray. Yeah, and it looks retro as fuck. It looks like a um, like a VHS. Oh, okay, yeah, you're seeing the um, 
Walmart and stuff got them. Blu-rays that look like VHS, and it looks like the VHS is pulled out a little bit. Something like that, yeah. I don't know. I, I just yeah. keep seeing it. It's like a silver border around it. It looks like a fucking old um, MGM. You know how they had the silver? I think <clears throat> it's that one, because I know, um, I think it was Walmart got a shit ton of those. Like classic movies. Yeah, and they made them look like uh, VHS. Right. But, uh... I, I keep seeing that floating around. Uh, it must have just come out. Maybe there there was a couple other ones too. I seen them all lined up. Yeah, there was a bunch of them. Yeah, they came out like a month or so ago. Yeah, I keep seeing them pop up. Was it uh that guy right there? That would be it. The silver collection. Yep. Yeah, it makes it look like fucking the vhs is pulled out as pulled the, out like a slip case as the fucking cover yeah. <clears throat> yeah i keep seeing that pop up but that's cool that maniac's gonna get a blu-ray mm-hmm. new one they don't have a blu-ray i don't think so well they did a, a 30th anniversary release which would have been 2010 right yep yeah um i can't remember if that was blu-ray or just dvd i would think maybe blu-ray I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Coming out special edition. This comes out, like, week, week and a half? Something like that? Oh. Okay. So, it's right up on us. (coughs) Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I think with a lot... Same goes with, I'd probably been guessing a lot of these movies that take place in, like, especially New York and kind of meant to be sleazy. Shit ton of porn actresses in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like pretty much all the victims, all like the like little bit female roles, they're pretty much all porn actresses. Uh, Tom Savini said that in uh, Going to Pieces, the rise and fall of the slasher film. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm pretty sure almost the entire female cast, with the exception of maybe a couple, were all porn actresses. Yeah. So it was like the victims and the 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 prostitutes and pretty much uh, everybody except for the main girl. Yeah, yeah. Which. Who, uh, you know who the, you know who that main girl was supposed to be? No. That main girl was supposed to be um Daria Nicolati. Probably saying her name wrong. But um she was in basically everything Argento did for the most part, basically starting at Deep Red, Deep Red Phenomena, Inferno, Suspiria, Tenebra. Um and at the time she was with Dario Argento. No way. She is Asia Argento's mother. Okay. She was supposed to have that main role, and Dario was supposed to be. Um, what was he supposed to be? He was supposed to be the co-producer, I believe. But she was busy filming her shit for finishing filming her stuff for Inferno. Hmm. So ended up having to go another way. Oh, gotcha. Well, Carolyn Monroe uh, was also in Slaughter High. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. She was in one of the 007 movies. Yep. She was in, um, what is it, one of the, like, something Journey of Sinbad? Yeah, she was in uh, <clears throat> Dracula AD, actually. Yep, yep. Uh, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was in Slaughter High as the main chick, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, she. I don't know. She did a pretty damn good job. Yeah. As far as you know, being like you know the main chick, mm-hmm. and uh, I just my one of my one of the things that impresses me most about fucking Joe Spinell in this movie is how he connected with her, how he was like normal when he was around her. Yeah, he was like an artist, like a starving artist kind of with I a do soft abstracts, spot. landscapes, yeah, yeah, portraits, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. <clears throat> I just love how he like. Flips the switch. He wears a nice three-piece suit. Takes her out to dinner and shit. How a dude like Joe Spinell would be able to fucking land a chick like her, though? Yeah. Uh, I guess if you know about art and uh, you have some pretty nice suits. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all about those fucking suits. Yeah, yeah. Those suits from the late 70s, early 80s. Those bright disco suits. But we have to touch on the score. Yeah. Because, man, is it one? Is it not one of the best of its time? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Not not being Italian. It's funny. He, at one point, was, uh, was going to get Goblin. Really? Mm-hmm. I think that was also around the time when he was thinking Argento was going to be the co-producer. Okay. So it would kind of be... Argento's wife or partner, Argento, have Goblin come in on it. No way. Yeah. I did not know that. That's fucking crazy. Could you imagine? I mean, it it could have been sweet. Yeah. I mean, it would have changed it a little bit, obviously. It would have. It would have. It probably would have turned into more of a Jalo or something. Mm. See, I don't think much of the movie really would have changed. But the score could have oh, changed the score, the score sure. cha- could have changed the feel of it. Yeah. Well the score in this movie is fucking absolutely killer, dude. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh the score is really fucking good, man. And uh on the on the the, the remake not to get into that, but the score on uh in that movie was great too. That's what made it not that bad of a remake. The the remake that's that's a surprising one for me that I actually liked. I'm surprised I liked it. The first time I seen it was with you. Yeah, and I thought I was gonna hate it. I did too. But the they pay homage to the old one. Well, shit. Well, Will um, Lustige was a producer on it. Yeah, I believe. Okay, I know he had a. He was kind of had his hands in it. Okay, to a degree. Yeah, he didn't want his uh, work to go awry. They kind of went opposite direction than what he he um, talked about because he he said he recommended to them that he wanted um, uh, what's his name Sizemore to be. Uh, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, he wanted him to play Zito. No shit. He said he felt like him and Spinell are pretty similar. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's what he... He was like, yeah, let them know that. Well, we'll see what they do with it. And obviously, they went completely different. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as I know, Tom Sizemore also had a lot of uh, issues. Yeah, he got in the sh- like, issues after... Was it Saving Private Ryan? It was supposed to be like his like big break. Like 
he was supposed to climb from there. Yeah. And he just kind of didn't. He got in the drugs, I think. Yeah, but the same thing happened to Spinell, but uh, kind of like backwards. Like, he had the fame and the success before, and then eventually he went downhill yeah. from drinking and all that stuff. But uh, I, I had no idea Tom Sizemore was a candidate. I really wouldn't say candidate, but um, he was considered. Lustig, well, Lustig recommended that. That's recommended. What, that's what he would have wanted. Like okay. for a remake, he he was like, I I picture him. He would be good. He he's just like Spinell. But I think what probably happened was when they made the decision of we need to make a completely different movie from the original. Yeah, that they decided they needed to go a different way. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um. There was supposed to be a Maniac 2. Mm-hmm. And there's actually some footage on YouTube. The, uh, I want to say it's the release that came out in 2010, the 30th anniversary, has the all the footage from that on one of the extras. Yeah, they're, they're very sporadic scenes. They make no sense. But did you know that part two, which was called um, Mr. Robbie? Yep was a basically a remake of a 1973 movie called Psychopath also known as An Eye for an Eye and it's same premise fucking dude who's like plays like a television clown for kids his name is Mr. Rabby and he goes around and kills their parents who will, like are bad like parents who are like fucking pieces of shit yeah yeah same premise it's basically a remake of that that was the that was the plan Oh, I got you. Well, for people that don't know, the the <clears throat> plot for the second one was supposed to be Spinell had a radio show, a uh, TV show, I think. Oh, but I I thought it was a radio show that kids called into. Oh, maybe, maybe he yeah, was yeah, in yeah. a room with a telephone. Yeah, because I remember that part. Okay, yeah, yeah, and the kids would call in and complain that their parents like spanked them or were bad parents or whatever, and he would go and kill these parents or whatever. And the only other um, scene that I really remember from the footage was him sitting in a bar talking to somebody, but the, it's so dark. He killed. Uh, there's a scene in that, that same scene where he's sitting at the bar and he's talking to the bartender because they know him, and he's fucking like he passes out, and the guy's like, "Oh fuck, you gotta go." Blah blah blah. When he ends up waking up and then killing the bartender. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was something like that. But the footage was so dark. Yeah, they basically they shot like it was like a fifteen or twenty minute segment like a short and it was meant to build up funds show the people get some funding mm-hmm. but <coughs> what was that 80 86 I think when they did that yep and then Spinell died in 89 yeah so they never got a chance to actually make it right which honestly he thought Sizemore would be good for that fucking role try to bankroll that fucker now and get size more attached to it. True. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, no shit. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the remake was good. We we can say that about this. Surprisingly, that's a very it's very surprising that I like that fucking remake. Yeah, I uh, I'm a fan. It's okay. I, I prefer the original. Obviously. But the remake did not bother me. No, the way they did it, they they totally took a fucking sharp left. They did something completely different. Yeah. Even with switching up to being like a POV. True story. 
Yep. Yeah, and it, I don't know, it had uh, some good qualities about it, you know, as far as, like, the way it was shot and, you know, the gore and the creepy aspect of Zito. Yeah. You know, he was more of a OCD kind of... OCD, more likable. More likable, So he was getting these fucking... It was based in L.A. instead of New York, and he was basically getting these high-end models. Yep. And, like, luring them in. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the remake, they pay attention to details. Like, when, when, when you're scalping women and stapling their fucking scalps and their hair to mannequins, your place is gonna be rancid. So he's like spraying Lysol, and there's bugs everywhere. And I love that. It, 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 this the attention to detail. It just really fucking got me. I was like, okay, this makes sense. This is cool. This is really cool. And then you know him washing his hands con- constantly till they bleed and shit. Like he's just a, a sociopath. Yeah. You know. But uh, the original definitely was was better, obviously. But uh, this was one. This was one movie that I sought after the most. I think out of all the movies besides The Prowler, yeah, had to have been Maniac. Did you ever get in a VHS? Yeah, I have it. Yeah, I got it for like fifteen bucks. The uh, media slipcase. Oh yeah. Um, I watched it today, <clears throat> and I watch it every so often because, <clears throat> and and I'd have to say that. Of all the kill scenes that I've ever seen in my life, the fucking shotgun scene has to be like top three, not even top five. That's got to be top three. And, and the, just everything about it. <clears throat> and we didn't even touch on that Tom Savini did the pre- the effects for this movie. I mean, I'm sure people know. But yeah, all Tom Savini. He built the fucking mold of his own head yes. to blow it off. Yeah, so and we get to see Tom Savini killed in this movie. A lot of these scenes, because they couldn't get permits for all of it, I, I think a lot of it was uh, budget-wise. They just didn't have the money to lock down the permits. So it was all, like, a lot of the scenes were guerrilla style, including that one. Really? So they had to get it. They set it up. Like, no permits. So they're just on the fucking street. They set up that scene. He actually fucking unloads a fucking shotgun on the streets of New York without a permit. <laughs> they had the, they fucking did that. Everybody packed up real quick and ran. I well, to get the fuck out of there before the cops came. It was a double barreled shotgun. <laughs> that makes some fucking noise, dude. Yeah. Those, those old fucking double barreled shotguns. Holy shit, dude! This is one movie where Tom Savini said, and I, I don't think it's possible, but he says he he might have gone too far. With the effects, man. I, from what I understand, the uh, the shotgun scene when he made a mold of his head, he filled it with like cocktail sauce, like uh, yeah, like uh, cocktail sauce, apple cores, apple cores. Yeah, <laughs> just chunks, just fucking red chunks everywhere, dude. It's so fucking good. The fucking uh. The dummy body they used for that was the same one he's used it for like he used it like Day of the Dead, shit like that, or oh, Dawn, really? Dawn of the Dead. And um, he said by the time they were done with this movie, it was just so just soaked with fake blood that he retired said, it. Yeah, he's like it's fucking done. They basically they put it in the well. According to stories, which who knows if he was just bullshitting about this or not, but he put it in the trunk of that car. And put it into the fucking river. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. 
They just fucking sunk it. Yeah. But he had some. Uh, in in and another thing I wanted to touch on too was the is the the beginning of this movie. Oh, that dream scene. Yeah, with yeah. The, with the couple on the beach. Yeah, that was supposed to be like. Um, Ludwig said it was supposed to be like Jaws, but from the POV of the shark, basically. Okay. Okay. Is yeah. how he how he envisioned that scene, how he like interprets that. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey. That makes sense. It's yeah, it's great. Really think about it, dude, because it's beginning of Jaws. It's dark. Chicks on the water, all quiet, and then just shark comes up, fucking grips, grips her down. This one, it's dark on a beach, and you got fucking Zito, just like creeping around. Oh man, yeah, it's a banger of an opener, man. Oh man, it fucking just kicks it off like a motherfucker, man. I love it so much, and just a wire to the neck. Mm Hmm. If that's not one of the best fucking just oh it's so good man so good wire to the neck dude but uh yeah i definitely wanted to wanted to fucking point that out because that's how the movie starts it's so good yeah and then the the end of the movie when they when the they all come to life all the victims come to life yeah and they pull his head off I was like straight Dawn of the Dead, dude. Yeah, the, the way they pulled that scene off was fucking great. Yeah, it, it was fucking killer, dude. It kind of, kind of doesn't make sense. In no, a sense. no, it doesn't. No, but because it's like okay, that happened, but how did he die? And then you're like, okay, wait, no, he didn't actually die. He just opened his eyes. What the fuck just happened? Yeah, <laughs> like, but I think that was like a nod to Psycho. Well, there's a shit ton of nods to Psycho in this movie. Yes. I think that the ending was a nod to Psycho, for sure. Like, when he has the inner monologue at the end, Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. And as he hears his mother's voice and shit, and it's just like, hmm, did it really happen? Or is it all in his head? Or fucking, is he really locked up? Yeah. And then, you know, we don't find out until fucking, what was it, 22 years later. They when the sequel, sequel. <laughs> comes out, you realize he was, actually was locked up. But, I mean, it leaves you hanging there. You're like, well, that's not very practical. But, yeah, there's a couple nods to Psycho in this uh, in this movie. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Fucking, um, speaking of that end scene, mm-hmm. little connector to uh, Friday the 13th, the headless corpse. Mm-hmm. That's the same mold that they used for uh, Mrs. Voorhees when she got decapitated. Yeah, and it's you, you kind of without even like really looking into it, the way like it comes up and then you see hands do this. Ah, uh, like yeah. in front, it, it's the same motion that was done when they decapitated her, and then just like falls back down this way. Oh, and then, gotcha. Yeah, they ended up that that mold is actually the same mold that they used for Mrs. Voorhees. Okay. Yeah, Tom Savini had a bag full of tricks. Fuck yeah, dude. He had all kinds of fucking cool stuff that he built, put together. But is there any part of this movie that you actually don't like? Um, I'd have to say that the only part of this movie I didn't care for was the uh, graveyard scene. Yeah. It just kind of drug on, and it was just kind of, mm, I don't know. It had a different feel from the whole movie. It did. The whole rest of the movie had it, a totally different feel. I know. He's like crying and he's like 
upset and she's there with him. I, I just didn't care for the graveyard scene too much. See, it wasn't even so much that because I kind of I got that because it was like his mom, and then he starts crying about like another victim, and then like she knew, she knew, and that kind of leads into him basically blowing his fucking blowing it open for what he was doing yeah. because she's she picked up on it, and then he tries killing her. Mm-hmm. But just like the the sh- the shots, I think in that whole scene, like with the sh- graveyard with the smoke coming over. Normally, all about that shit. For some reason, did not fit. No, for this. And then the scene with the mom, because he sees the fucking mom. Yeah, like it just didn't fit. No, it was kind of a departure from the film. Um, but other than that, you know, and that's just us being. That's just us basically picking something to hate. Yeah, because as much as I don't like that scene, it doesn't deter me at all from regularly putting in this movie. No, not at all. I mean, that if 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 that's the only complaint about this movie, yeah, it's five out of five stars. I mean, yeah, like a, a, a scene, one scene at the tail end. Yeah, yeah, that's like saying I, I didn't like the color of the one person's shirt. You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that it fucking deters me away from the movie. It just, it just didn't really fit. It was kind of a filler. Yeah. Maybe like a filler for time, it seemed like. But one one cool thing is it was never showed on TV. Nope. I don't even think it was showed on cable. I don't... Even up to this fucking day. I, I really don't think so. I think that it was straight to video after... After its theatrical run, which was not that um, becoming because of the negative feedback yeah it didn't make a shit ton but I mean decent amount yeah it's definitely got a cult following we all know that it's an iconic film it's one of the best horror movies I think ever made and um, everyone that had their hands in it you know and made it happen they did a hell of a job man it's a fucking great movie absolutely 100% yep so couldn't even argue that but yeah that's uh that's maniac 1980 anybody who hasn't seen it fucking how you doing with your life yeah definitely see this <laughs> one before you see the remake if you haven't seen maniac and uh before we uh wrap this up the i think the way i found this movie was i got a hair up my ass at one point in the mid 2000s and I googled most disturbing movies, yeah. And Maniac popped up, and that's where I found like Happiness, um, Cannibal Holocaust, fucking, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, Maniac. And I seen the cover of it, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? How did that always elude me when I was? That looks like it's right up my alley. You know what I mean? It kind of had that same like Alone in the Dark. You know, like. With the axe and the fucking, you know, holding the head, that poster just gets you. Yeah. So that was that was how I found it, you know. And I read that the shotgun scene was like, you know, one of the most fucking <laughs> brutal scenes ever fucking, you know, put to film, and that's true. So. I can't see. I can't even remember the first time I heard of this movie. Oh, yeah. That was the first time I seen it. I rented it from King Video. Yep. Nice. Yep. Sure did. 
I found almost all those movies. Eraserhead, fucking that was on the most disturbing list. Salo, um, but Maniac was the one that I was like, I connected with the most because it was like right around that era of like slashers coming out and stuff, and the poster just fucking gra- grabbed me right away. Yeah, and then the in the opening scene. On the beach. I was like, dude, I'm sold. This movie fucking rules, man. So. Dude. King Video. Yeah. That place had fucking everything. Rest in peace. I wish I got... I wish I bought more from them when they were starting to thin out their selection. Yeah. But they were pricing things on, like... They were looking up their shit before they priced it. Yeah, the Sleepaway Camp movies were, like, $80 for the three. Jeez thing that sucks like i want to support you guys and i get you want to make as much money as you can but i'm not trying to pay like fucking ebay prices no nope and they were dvds they weren't vhs yeah so can't remember i bought a a few things from them but i can't remember exactly what they were at this point but yeah that's uh that's what we got man oh yeah so anything else you want to add uh nothing about that if anybody wants to hit us up uh, you can go to our website, burnofferingspodcast.com. Um, do not email us from the website. No, it doesn't you, work. But if you want to email us, you can just you know type in this email address, and it is contact at burnofferings.com. I tested that. It actually works. Okay. Um, go to our Instagram page at burnofferings underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Burn Offerings Horror Podcast. And then check us out on Twitter at underscore Burn Offerings. And that's basically all I got. All right. Well, thanks for listening and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And um, go watch Maniac. Yeah. Check it out, guys. All right. See yeah. you. Yeah.